Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I'm the host and creator, Carlos Damien, a.k.a. Los AF Jefe. This podcast is about our Shogun Warriors. It's about their stories, their perspectives, and insight into their lives. My hopes for this podcast is to have conversations with different maintenance pros from across our group in order to learn each other better. Over my career, I've served as a maintenance pro, MTI, and first sergeant. I've met amazing people from across the globe, but right here and now, I get the privilege to serve with 2,400 maintenance professionals. Here are some of our conversations. Welcome to Living a Maintenance Life. I have one of my teammates in this maintenance group, so please introduce yourself. All right. Uh, thanks, Chief. Uh, my name is Master Sergeant Scott Lane, or Senior Master Sergeant Scott Whoa, Lane. Let's don't not demote for, yourself. Uh, yeah, just uh, demote myself. But uh, Senior Master Sergeant Scott Lane. Um, I'm been in the military 19 years now, and uh, I'm uh, originally from Huntington, West Virginia, a little small town in West Virginia. But uh, I guess it's a big city for West Virginia. So how's how has your hometown influenced you? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, there, there's not too much in, in West Virginia. Uh, we're known for We Are Marshall, the movie. Yeah. Uh, Randy Moss went to school there. So uh, there's there's not too much there. Uh, like I said, in, in West Virginia, a uh, whole bunch of coal mines. But uh, honestly, uh, just traveling outside of West Virginia, seeing some other things is what I guess what influenced me to go in the military, honestly, and uh, or not just so much going in the military, just influenced me in general was just that. Uh, I saw so much, so much more outside of West Virginia. Uh, so I, I guess it might not sound as positive, but that was to get away from the state that I was in because there's not that much there. Uh, the economy is not the best. Uh, uh, I still miss it though. I still love it. Now um, I, I still got some really good friends that are there, but uh, I, I chose to leave West Virginia. So you played high school ball against Randy Moss too, didn't you? But way back in the day. So he, he's, he's one of the guys, uh, he's was from Rand, West Virginia down the road, but, uh, just phenomenal person that you can see play football, play, uh, basketball, uh, state basketball tournament. Uh, they had a Nike commercial, uh, with him and Jason Williams, who they called white chocolate back in the day. They played oh, yeah. on the on, Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Played on the same team. So it was just unreal having these two athletes playing on the same team, just getting, just to watch them, uh, and then college ball when he was uh, playing for Marshall, just it was like a a, a man playing against boys. It, it wasn't it wasn't fair. I can only imagine what it was like in high school. Him, man amongst boys. Oh there. yeah, he he was uh, he was unreal. He was he was unstoppable. Um, you know, three sport guy actually. He was a, a track star. He was a football star. He was a basketball star. Uh, so he could do it all. He's so fast. Yeah, he, and he played for my my Raiders for a while too. Great oh yeah, times. good times. <laughs> So you said you've been in for 19 years. You played Randy Moss, so there's a little dividend there. Um, so you joined a little later in your career. Yes. Yeah, I was. Uh, I turned 28 in basic training. Uh, so uh, after high school, um, I, I started working in a small restaurant, kind of worked my way up into being manager. I uh, got lucky enough to get a job at, at actually Hooters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I ended up moving to – I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, worked for Hooters there, kind of worked my way up into right at the corporate office. So I actually had a really good job, but, uh, I, I just didn't, I wasn't happy being, I wasn't in a cook. I wasn't in the back of the, you know, in the back washing dishes, but I was up in management role, but I just wasn't happy with what I was doing. I, I said, there's gotta be something different that I, that I was cut out to do. Uh, and I didn't just didn't think food service was just the way to go for me the rest of my life. And, uh, I called my mom. 
And uh, I said, Mom, I'm quitting my job. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I said, uh, I'm going to the military. I, I don't regret it at all. I absolutely love it. I made the best decision. It was a huge pay cut then because coming in as an A1C, you know, you didn't make that much money, especially 19 and a half, 20 years ago. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So. You are the number one person that I get. Hey, you have to interview Cindy Lane. You <laughs> got to awesome. interview Scott Lane. He is, and I, I was like, I know. I, we just have to make our calendars match up. And finally, here you are. You are an influential maintainer. How did you get here? Who influenced you? Push you towards uh, being such an influential leader in our group. Okay. Uh, first of all, I just want to say there, there, there's been a few people. There's been good and bad. Uh, so I have been lucky enough to, throughout my career, I had some really good bosses. I had those people. And I've heard the war stories that other people said, hey, man, nobody ever taught me that. Nobody ever showed me that. I heard that today from a senior until I had in my office and I was telling him something. And he says, man, nobody's ever done that. But um, I had a lot of guys that that uh, I, I took a little bit from this guy, he's, uh, I could tell he knew the TOs. He, he was the smart guy. He knew this. And then I, I took, took something from this guy. Hey man, this guy's charismatic. He's a leader. People just want to follow him. So what, um, that's kind of like the type of leader that I, I want to be, you know, I want to have it all, you know? So just if I can grasp a little bit of those things in each one of them. And there is one person he just sewed on chief in May this year, chief master sergeant, Michael Martin. Uh, he's going to be, you're going to be taking over the bombed up at J bear. Absolutely. The total package as a person, a leader inside, uh, uh you know, uh, with the uniform on, with the uniform off, the guy knows his job and it's not, you know, he, he doesn't push it out there like, Hey, I know this. I know that, you know, he, he doesn't put it out there like that, but the guy is the total package and everybody wants to follow this guy, you know? And I said, that's who I want to be. So I, I actually worked for him for a few years and, uh, Still to this day, we talk almost every day, and uh, he asked asked me for advice. Uh, I asked him for advice, but uh, Mike Martin, sharpest guy I've ever met in my military career, and it's you know, as yes, he is in my career field, and I've seen some other sharp people, uh, but he's the guy. Make no bones about it. People are going to multiple people are going to be saying the same thing about you, Scott. You are Thank you. like Thank in months. Everything that I've seen in months, you are going to be my benchmark when it comes down to it because you're interviewing or you're influencing and inspiring so many that are working right here in this, in the world's largest bomb dump. You know, like you are absolutely getting after it. So you talked about some characteristics. What do you, what makes a good maintainer? What do you value in a good maintainer? Okay. When it comes to being a maintainer, of course, I, I do think, uh, not just because I'm a maintainer, I think we've got one of the toughest jobs. Uh, we work the hardest. We work hard. We play hard. Uh, but in a, being a maintainer, we work long hours. It's a dirty job. Uh, it's it's nothing against uh, some of the individuals that may work in the finance office, but uh, this is this is a brutal job. The only thing I can ask for from those maintainers out there, what I look for in a maintainer, you want to do a good job. You you want to try. So I, I've had a few crews. You know, we were in maintenance. We work on crews. You could be load crews. It could be bomb crews. And, uh, you know, there, every now and then you've got that guy. Okay. Nobody wants to bring him on the crew, but he's the guy that tries the most. I've had guys that know the job so much better, sometimes don't have the best attitude yeah. and, and that resonates, you that's, know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and airmen see that stuff. Uh, but, uh, I've had a couple guys that they are always trying the person that wants to go out and put in the time and the help and that I'd rather have one of those guys than three superstars. They make you money in the long run. I'm telling you, because they're never going to quit. They're going to work ethic. Yep. 
They're going to work for you uh, all day, all night long and not complain about it. So that leads me to the the question of how, how you ended up being who you are, like your characteristics, the way you interact with human beings, the things that you value. What makes you you? Who are you? Uh, you know what? This is going to go all the way back to uh, and I'll say it. Uh, I'm, I'm pushing 47 years old and I'll say mommy, uh, my mother. She made me who I am. Uh, uh, dad wasn't around as much as some fathers are. Uh, so she was she was dad a lot of the time. Uh, but she made me the man that I am. Um, there was time I was, I was picked on and bullied when I was really young, you know, and she said, just let them. But you show them that you're better. You show them that you're better. And this is what I tell a lot of a lot of the airmen that speak to me. Hey, how did you make it to here? How did you do? What did you do this? I mean, what did you do to get here? I just said, I'm going to show everybody that I can do this. I can, I'm going to be the best at this job. And when I say that, I don't mean, hey, I'm going to be better than you. I'm just going to go with my in my head. I just have the attitude that I'm going to be number one at this. And I may not be. But as long as I keep saying that and as long as I keep trying to do that, you can't go wrong. You're not going to fail yourself. That, that's that's really what what made me me. And seeing the good and the bad in, in some of the some of the people that throughout my career, uh, I've taken what good. Hey, man, that guy's got it going on. This young lady, she's got it going on. I want that. I'll take those snippets from each one of them. And then I've had some I've had a couple people that I'm like, hmm, you know, I, I probably if I'm ever in supervision, I wouldn't treat anyone like that. You don't forget that stuff and you Absolutely. make sure that you 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 keep to your word. Uh, don't forget where you came from. Yeah, learning the good with the bad. That's part of the yings versus the yangs. So what do you value in a peer, a subordinate, and a supervisor, somebody who's leading you? What do you value in those? Uh, those? Uh, I'll talk a little bit about it, but uh, uh, when it comes to subordinate, like I said, uh, those those guys and, and young ladies that really want to get after it, they want to learn the job. Uh, and, and maybe they don't, they, they're not the fastest at the job or they're not the best. And um, every now and then you kind of have to remind them, hey, remember, this is we do step step one before we do step two. I'm perfectly fine with that. But those are the individuals that get the job done. They're the, they're the ones uh, they're the some really good. I guess it's work ethic again. We'll go back to that work ethic. I love that. Those people that have the drive and the determination to do well, even if they're not the, the fastest at the job, I'd much rather have those people, you know, in a subordinate. Uh, when it comes to peers, um, what I get, I guess what I love getting from peers is honestly, we learn from each other too. Uh, so, uh, whether it be, uh, junior NCO, when I was a junior NCO, being a senior NCO, it's, uh, I, I've honestly, I value what I learned from them because you can only go off your experiences. You know, like me, I said, I've had some pretty good experiences. I've had some pretty good bosses. Some of those things that I said that I don't want, uh, I don't want to become you actually, maybe you haven't experienced them, but you have these other NCOs or these other airmen that have seen them, th those things. So, um, uh, that's, that's honestly what I get from most of the, uh, my peer group. And when it comes to a leader, I think I mentioned this just a second ago also was, uh, understanding. And what I said was, don't forget where you came from. Uh, because once you get to be a leader and, and I've kind of seen this, everybody has eyes on you too. Um, and, and, and when you get to be in a leadership role, uh, of course you'll have subordinates and, and like, like me now I've got sections under me. Um, and it's, it's tough. It's difficult. We're maintainers. I told you how hard it is. And, and of course, you know, uh, you're maintaining yourself, but uh, it's tough. It's hard. And uh, so I don't forget those things. When things don't go right, I'm not just going to blast you. There's no reason, you know, because I was there. I totally get it. You, there's a lot of responsibility 
uh, and all of us have it. So uh, that's that's the biggest thing is as long as the leaders, they understand, uh, because I get it. Our, our job is to get jets in the air and, and steal on target and everything like that. And sometimes it just doesn't go right. As long as you can remember, hey, things happen. Uh, and, I, and I think we've got that support in this group here. I, I haven't had an issue since I've been here, but but I've seen it. You know, hey, let's not go too fast. Let's not rush. And then when you're not going as fast as you want, it's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Some of those setbacks that you've experienced in your life, in your career, they could be catastrophic at times. Sometimes they're just learning moments. What kept you coming back, though? What keeps you what what kept you reenlisting? What keeps you in now? I I didn't. I told you, I said I came in the military. I, I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And it was kind of like a uh, you know what? Uh, I can serve my country. I did. I'll, I didn't come into uh, for school. And for travel, like a lot of people do, I, it had nothing to do with that. I just thought that uh, I had to, that this was my calling was to come in the military, serve my country. I actually uh, September 11th is when I got in. So everybody's like, oh, what are you doing September 11th? I was just got to basic training. So uh, all, pretty much all hell broke loose since I came in. But, you know, I've continued to do this because um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of what we do. Of course, some people can can consider uh, uh, military and wars synonymous. Uh, I don't think of that. You know, we've got a dirty job, but uh, what keeps me coming back is the satisfaction I get out of it. Uh, there's so much camaraderie in the military. Uh, it wasn't like this in the civilian sector. It was me, you know. Uh, that's pretty much it, you know, in my job. You know, I was the boss, and that's it. But uh, the family uh, the fa- the when I say family life, I'm talking about my, my brothers and sisters like you, Chief, and, and the individuals that work in the office with me, you know, uh, that's what keeps me coming back. I mean, it's it's not a bad gig. Of course, we've got to put a uniform on. A civilian doesn't have to put a uniform on every day. Of course, we've got to go through uh, exercises and stuff. And and honestly, in the civilian sector, you can probably tell your boss, you know, to 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 go to hell and and walk out the door. You can't really do that in the military. But uh, the military has taken care of me and my family for nineteen and a half years. So, speaking of family, how have they supported you? Like, I'm I'm talking about the family and friends back home. All the way to the wife and kiddos now. How how do they support you in over these nineteen years? Okay, yeah, really good question. So, uh, my mother did just pass away last year, uh, and she has she's my best friend. I, I I you can say mama's boy if you want, uh, but we were best friends. We talked all the time, uh, whether it be uh, personal relationship problems I had earlier in my life. I could call my mom like you would call one of your buddies and say, I just want to talk, uh, you know, so, so my mother has been my rock. I also have two, two sisters and, uh, we're also really, really close. I know some people aren't as close with their siblings. It's just, I, I had that great family life and, uh, you know, uh, from, from, from day one that they, they were always there and they were always supportive of the decisions that, that I made, even if they didn't, even if they weren't probably the smartest, you know, but they were there for me. Uh, so, and, and, uh, over here, um, I am married. I've been married now 15 years. Uh, so I've got a little boy and a girl, but, um, I would never have made it. And I have put my wife through hell and back, uh, without the support of her. Uh, of course, like you said in the very beginning that, uh, I got here and I, I took over filling the superintendent role until, um, uh, until uh, our replacement got here. Um, so I, 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 and I had been in Korea for a year. I was away from my family. You know, I've, I've been geographically separated for seven years of half my marriage. I have not lived with my family wow. and my wife has stuck right there by my side. So I got back here and said, babe, I'm home, but I'll tell you what, give me six months. 
give me six months. I got to go hard for six months and then, and then, uh, I'll start integrating myself back into the family life a little more. And she said, babe, you do what you got to do. That's you awesome. do what you got to do. So she, I honestly, I love her death. She has really stuck by my side and she understands she gets, it. she knows I'm in the military, uh, and, and she knows what we have to do sometimes. So she, she stuck right there by me. So we just said this on radio. So I'm going to hold you to that, Scott. Yeah. Cause I'm telling you, you're go, go, go. I'm hoping that you do, <laughs> you know, take some time to throttle back because yeah. you've absolutely earned it. Your teammates, your teammate chiefs that mm. you've served alongside have all spoken very highly of you as well that you got here in a tough situation. You went through a few tough situations. Right. And then you went through a few more tough situations and here you are just get completely getting after it. So I'm holding you to that. I hope that you do re-engage and, um, you know, take some time, take some time for yourself. I will chief. Thanks. Because that adversity that you've, you've dealt with, you've dealt with some adversity in your career mm-hmm. and in your life. Tell me a story about it. Come overcoming adversity. I will. I, I have to say probably in the beginning of my career, um, I worked with some individuals. Now it's going to be a little bit of a touchy subject, but, uh, but it'll be a quick story. Uh, of course, with, uh, with everything that we have going on in the world and some of the changes that we have, uh, diversity and inclusion and stuff like that. So, um, I had a subordinate that, uh, that I kind of had to stay on a little bit. Um, and, uh, it was just basic stuff, uh, dirty dorm room and not showing up to work on time and, you know, a couple of different things like that. The individual, and of course I'm, I'm an African American individual's Caucasian. He thought that I was racist towards Caucasians. Uh, and it, it was a real tough time. It hit me hard because I, I, I didn't understand. Honestly, I know, I know myself, but I had to question in myself. Is there something that I'm doing? Is am I acting a certain way to make this individual think that? Because I, I had some some superstar airmen, and I just had one, and I won't call him a bad apple. He just uh, he wasn't doing as well as the other airmen. Uh, so I stayed on him, I, just like some of my bosses stayed on me. I said, I'm I'm going to fix him. Uh, it, it didn't. It just wasn't anything that blew up and and got to be uh, to where someone maybe suspected that. Uh, but it was really tough. So it took me to dig down inside to get past that. It, it really, it really, it kind of slowed me down a little bit because I didn't know how to interact with, uh, some of, some of my subordinates, some of my peers, because I didn't, I didn't understand why I came off that way. And funny thing is, is, uh, you know, that he, he pretty much says he doesn't think that, uh, Sergeant Lane likes white people. That's exactly what was said at the time. I, I am remarried. My wife was white, so it was just I I couldn't fathom. I, you know, uh, Max's wife is white, so I, I just didn't understand where it was coming from. So I was I didn't know if it was my leadership style or what. Uh, so I kind of had to. I felt like I had to, you know, back off. And uh, I, I had a uh, uh, my boss told me he says, "No man, you stick to your guns. You stick to your guns." So it it really was a tough time. I don't know that, that it, you would you would maybe think, hey. How did that, why did that affect you so much? You knew that wasn't true, but sometimes that stuff does really, it hits harder than you think. It should though. It Mm -hmm. should. Any good leader will take a pause, take pause, listen, people have their opinions. They can say, Hey, you know, I think the sky is purple and you're like, no, it's blue. It's their opinion. But if somebody's saying something to you, it could be completely off base, but allow you as a good leader. That's where I think why you are and where you got to where you're at because you did some soul searching, mm-hmm. some self-evaluation. Am right. I, am I, 
am I thinking, am I taking the time to think about what this young man or young woman is feeling? I think that that's, that's, that's part of leadership, not just saying, yep, oh, nope, this is here. I can prove it. I'm right. You're wrong. Right. But exactly. But, and also there's, there's that weight to stick to your guns too. It's like, Hey, I, this is the standard on which I set. My standard is here and it's applied through every platform in every region. So Absolutely. That's uh that's yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, sir. When you first started and you are a, a no striper or one striper, or you come in with two stripes, when you first came in, what would you tell yourself right now? What would you tell the young Scott Lane, the airman Scott Lane? As soon as you, uh, once you hit the operational Air Force, uh, you're done with your basic training, you're, you're done with your technical training, do everything you can to learn your job. Not saying that I wasn't doing everything to learn my job. It's, it's what we're here for, first of all. It's what we're here for, first of all. Um, it's going to make us all better. Get to your first duty assignment. Uh, of course, you gotta, we, we have things like CDCs we gotta do in the meeting, but get there and try to, and try to learn your job. Because I'll be honest, I think that uh, some people may become in the military for the wrong reason. You know, I think some people just, uh, it, maybe it was just a way out to get out of a bad situation. Or some people just wanted to come in just to travel the world. But we've got a serious, uh, serious job that we've all got to do. You know, so um, I, I think that that's the biggest thing is come in, let's uh, learn your job immediately. So and it's because uh, maybe it was because I was older when I came in, but I, I didn't see that in a lot of, of the young trainees and airmen around me when I very first came in. Uh, so that's what that's what I would say. So along the way, you've had some pretty memorable experiences in your life, being separated from family, TDYs, good, bad and everything in between. Like you said, my final question is this. Share with me a memorable maintenance story, something that sticks out in your mind as an ammo troop. What is something that like a very memorable situation or okay. story that you had. Okay. I, I think I got one. Uh, this one is, uh, it's, it's not tied so much to what, what, to, to what I did, but something really opened up my eyes. Uh, so I can't remember the exact year. I was stationed here. Uh, this is not my first time being here. Staff Sergeant Lane was leading a TDY to Thailand. Uh, so it was me. And I think I had six ammo troops come with me, uh, maybe five, six of us total. Um, and we took some aircraft to Thailand. Uh, so we had to go work alongside with the, the Thai air force. And, uh, we worked in, in some of their facilities and we did the same thing. It was a huge exercise, several countries there. We worked with the Thai guys, um, the, the Thai air force guys, and we, we built our countermeasures and everything together. We did everything together. So, uh, when all the aircraft came down, uh, all the units, the Marines were there, they're, they're, they're refragging their aircraft. We're doing the same thing, but to see the difference in how these, uh, the Thai air force did their stuff. So it was, it was so eye opening to me. So we've have all these thousands of dollars of new equipment and stuff that we use. And they took some of the simplest things and did the exact same job we did in the same amount of time we did. So, uh, it really made me think. So, so an example is. We have trailers and bobtails and everything that we deliver uh, munitions to the to the flight line to get to the aircraft. They had a bicycle with a cart on the back, and they put their countermeasures in that bicycle, and they ride from spot to spot on that bicycle, and they load their aircraft that way. I'd never seen anything like that, and so I started thinking. I was like, "Man, we spend millions and th or thousands of dollars, millions of dollars on some of the stuff we do, 
And um, I don't, I, I know we are the biggest, baddest, best Air Force in the world. I get that. Um, but they were getting it done with what they had. You know, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it, you know. And I mean, they, they were building the same countermeasures as we were. They were delivering the same stuff. But we had all these, this newfangled equipment. And I was just so eye-opening to see. This is my first time really working along um, with another nation um, uh, and doing the same exact job. I've done it, done it since then. But it was just, it was unreal. It opened up my eyes. I was like, man, I can't believe they're doing the same thing we do for their aircraft, their fighter jets. But they're doing it on a bicycle. It was amazing. It, and they killed it. They killed it. That ingenuity. Yeah, that's that what ingenuity. I'm telling you. Absolutely. That is so, that's cool. That's yeah, cool it was story. a cool story. I thank you for living a maintenance life. I thank you for the, what you've done since you got here. I can't believe it hasn't even been a year, but you've dealt with so many different issues over the last seven months now that it's, you've been the glue here. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for living a maintenance life. Blessed to have you in our group, man. All right. I, I was honored. Thank you so much for having me, Chief. Teammates, again, thank you for listening. If you or anybody you know wants to be a part of the show, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Los AF Jefe. Be happy to have you on the show. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored by the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Though we may use name, ranks, and duty titles, this podcast is strictly opinion-based by the member and myself. Cleared off headsets. Los AF Jefe out. Sister Cow. Sister Cow. Sister Cow. Ow. Ow.